Hello and welcome to the Money Next TV podcast series. Today you'll be listening in to one of our On The Money panel discussions, a live, dynamic and fast-paced session with questions put directly to each of our contributors. The topic is Big Data, Big Opportunities, how data and AI are driving disruption across financial services. So I'll leave you with our event director, Mark Johnson, who'll be taking you through the panel discussion today. Thanks so much. Hello, and welcome to On The Money. My name's Mark Johnston, show director for Money Next. Let's introduce our wonderful panelists. We have Adri Perkastheya of BNP Paribas. We have Mark Towler of NatWest. We've got Sarah Rench of Avenard. We've got Simon Pink of IBM. And our audience champion, in the corner of our audience, we have Mr. Chris Owen of Capgemini. Chris will be bringing all the questions in from the chat into play for today's discussion. Now, our first question of, the t- of this discussion today, which areas across financial services are we seeing tangible and impactful AI use cases? Mark, welcome to On The Money. If I could invite you to, to let us know what you think of that first, please. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Um, so with in regards to NatWest, where we're seeing big impactful cases um, is in regards to our chatbot Cora. Um, so throughout this year, she's had over seven and a half million conversations. Probably the one of the biggest things we're able to support customers with has been in regards to COVID-19. So I so said during the you know, the first lockdown around March, April time, when a lot of people uh, were furloughed, we were able to help support these customers. So within, you know, inside of two days, for example, we managed to put live a journey for our customers to get support uh, in regards to paying the loans. And so where we see AI having a big impact is being able to, you know, very quickly, you know, bring these journeys live, support customers where needed, you know, and if customers do need to speak to a human, you know, they're able to. But what we what we can do with Cora is, you know, take these conversations. We can, if you will, triage these conversations, make sure they get to the right department quicker. If they need to go to a department, be able to handle simple queries and also looking into looking to RPA. So robot process automation, you know, what journeys are out there that we can automate for customers. So that's where we're looking at in terms of your know, huge AI cases uh, you know, for ourselves is where, where can we make things simpler and better for the customers. Mark, it's, uh, it's great to have some first-hand experience on our panel from the user perspective. Uh, Adri, I wonder if I direct that to you. Some, uh, some thoughts from you on some uh, ways in AI use cases, please. Yeah, so... Thanks. Uh, I echo the chatbot use case. It's been, uh, I would add to it more so on the internal use cases. We have been using chatbots across uh, multiple uh, functional areas across uh, the institution. Uh, Portfolio management, uh, trade settlement, order routing, then uh, derivative pricing. I sit in group risk, so uh, sort of the use cases are across uh, investment banking, retail banking, and the other businesses we have. Also, a lot of use cases around risk uh, management. So you can think about anti-money laundering, then uh, fraud detection, cyber fraud detection. Uh, So multitude of use cases. The most uh, efficacious ones are around uh, fraud, cyber fraud management, uh, from my purview. 
Okay. Great. Thank you very much for that, Adri. Uh, Sarah, if I could bring you in. Welcome to On The Money. Uh, your thoughts on this, please? I think um, uh, the rest of the gentlemen highlighted some great examples, you know, and, and what it's leading back to is really improving that customer experience. So when we think about why we're using the chatbots, it's because during COVID, um, banks were inundated with messages. So customers were feeling, you know, distressed and frustrated that they couldn't reach people. So by having something that provides 24-7 service enables them to to therefore connect to the bank and improves their user experience but equally on the internal perspective using things like rpa or robotic process automation can help um, alleviate the pressure on um like the, the employees to do manual processes and that could be anything from automating regulatory tasks we've seen the spike in changes with regulatory things from the fca and across the ecb so therefore the banks are then required to keep up with it so the power of using te technology to enable to improve not just the employees experience but the customers is really the strength we're seeing great thanks sarah i think um i think before we come to you simon then uh, we'll just cross over to chris i think there's, there's some questions and stuff on the chat chris if i bring you in at this point Thanks, Mark. Yeah, and um, the question's for Simon, so I think it flows quite nicely. And um, I was wondering, Simon, so we've, we've heard some good use cases around things like chatbots, RPA, um, those kind of automations that seem well, well trodden now. But looking forward to the next wave of technologies, what are the things on the horizon, I guess, that you think banks and fintechs and entrants to the market should be looking at in terms of um, automation and big data that are maybe that next step along from... Uh, bots and an RPA. So um, thanks, Chris, and um, thanks for everyone for having me here. Um, so I, I echo the comments and the observations from uh, the rest of the panel here. I think as we go, as we start to look to the future, so chatbots have still got some way to go. I think what's been exciting about them over the last few months is the pace at which they've been adopted across the different channels that the, the guys here have described. I think as we go into that, it's around about personalization. So how do we start to personalize these chatbots and not address personal needs of the individual? Um, and so keen to um, see how that see that how that develops um, as, as I guess one example towards towards that question that was just uh, thrown out there. Okay. Sure, that's great. Thank you very much for that, Simon. Thanks very much, Chris. Um, if we move on then to our next question, I think then guys. So, next point of discussion, how important is consumer trust in the continued journey of AI usage and big data processing? Now, Adri, if I, if I come to you first for the, with that particular question, please. Uh, thank you, Mark. So, very important. Actually, the program uh, which I focus from a group is around uh, responsible, trustworthy AI, ML and automation. And then if you you know, unravel that we are looking into privacy technologies, privacy enhancing technologies, whereby if we have historical data for some customers, how do we use it responsibly? And then if we have a sort of, you know, AI, ML enabled decision making, and if you're transpiring that across a large population of the customer base, how do we remove bias and mistakes and so on and so forth? So uh, it's on, a, on a high level principle and also on a high level, helicopter view, we are moving towards incorporating uh, trustworthy, responsible AI at the beginning. Some projects are obviously on flight. So we are actively you know, approaching that uh, throughout the uh, bank, throughout the institution. So that's definitely important. And then uh, personally, I see uh, for 
you know, for a user of a builder of AI and for a user of AI, if we are not able to articulate the approaches and the you know the underlying uh, technologies that has been used to our customers on a level where they are happy with the outcomes, then uh, the trust factor will go. And financial services at the core are arbiter of trust. We keep money for some time and we manage risk around it. So if you don't have that, then we don't have any currency. So that's the key part of the program. Thanks very much, Adri. I think there was, uh, you know, there's a lot of nodding heads uh, from our panelists there, all in, all in agreement. Mark, um, if I come to you, anything to add to, to what Adri's just said? Uh, well, I said in absolutely in complete agreement. Uh, if, if you don't have the trust of the customer, then you know there's there's nothing there's nothing to do. I, you know, I wouldn't be in the job that I'm that I'm very fortunate to be doing. It's you know when you're designing journeys in terms of a chatbot, you need to think about you know how do I make sure that this serves every customer and serves them well. So whether that's from a you know data point of view, a privacy point of view, you know, or even an accessibility point of view. So say for example, okay, I'm using images. This will be fine for some customers, but some customers who can't see, who are struggling to see the images, what can I do to make that journey just as good for them? You know, making sure that we are, you know, including all the customers and you know, in every ability into the customer journeys. Great, and and Simon, if we bring you in at this point as well, then. Uh, Simon, your your thoughts, please. Yeah, so I think you know, as custodians of this customer data, I think comes great power and, and responsibility, really. Um, and the way that we look at this trust piece is in two parts. There's the responsibility around, you know, there's there's the trust, and then there's the ethics. You know, so what we do with the data um, and how we handle it, we can govern it, the management, the privacy issues, we deal with that. We can put some practical controls. Then there's the ethics of should we use it and are we using it in a ethical way and that you know what we're seeing in many aspects of life particularly in the world of financial services it's very heavily regulated um the and we're all about standards and policies and frameworks ethics isn't quite there yet and ethical ai um is not quite there yet there, i think i'm seeing a number of financial institutions create papers create points of view and create some governance principles here um, but how we implement that, how we bed that into the culture of our organization um, remains uh, remains a challenge um, and something that we're keen, keen to address and keen to help with. And there are different factors that we can bring into play um, to, to support that. Thanks, Simon. Uh, I just want to pick up on the point you mentioned there. You mentioned um, ethics. And I know, I know, Chris, you've got something to, to add on that, please. A, a question you've got on, on ethics. Yeah, thanks, Mark. We've had, um, we've had a question in from the from the website and so it it ta it sort of builds on um the point there in ethics and i guess to sarah what the concerns ethically not just from a customer point of view but also to to employees in terms of the potentially huge impact on um the roles that employees will have with um, banks as ai becomes more industrialized how should organizations approach that I'm a huge advocate for um, training, someone who's continuously learning and um, through self-learning and through studies. So I think there's something called creating shared value. It's where a business can profit 
and but also like help society so if i don't know if many people are familiar with it but also what's being used is esg like um in, environmental social governance as well now that's it's slightly different but the core themes kind of running through are like even when the business is profitable it has to look well how is it helping society more broadly so whilst businesses might be benefiting from the automation they need to be thinking well how does this impact their human workforce and how does it impact the wider community so, you know, we talked about, you know, biases, um, well, the impacts of AI, you have to think, well, who is the team building it? You know, is it all the same demographic of people or is it actually a diverse team? You know, how do we get the same levels? You know, how do we get 50-50 gender equality and not just gender equality, but actually equality across all the different minorities? You know, it's really important to be thinking about how we change um, the dynamic because bias is everywhere, but we have to make sure it's actually not embedded in the systems we're coding and building and equally alongside that we have to have legislation in place you know we have gdpr to protect the customer data so we start to explore things like data monetization how are we thinking about what the customer's concerns are rather than the monetary aspect so there's a huge um so many discussion points i could take down but tying it back to the initial one of the employee I would definitely be saying, well, for every company, they should have a scheme in place. And we're seeing this across the board, certainly at Avenard, you know, all employees have access to Microsoft Learn and training. And actually, these courses are free and accessible to everyone. So if anyone after this call wants to have access to it, please let me know and I'll happily post a post on LinkedIn, because the key part here is making it accessible and training people for the future. Um, and we're seeing how the demographic is changing. That's great. That's a, that's a really fantastic area. We probably have a whole show on on the, the themes there, they're brilliant. Um, so I'm going to one more question from the from the chat group, and I'm going to pass it over to yourself, Mark, if that's okay. And um, it sort of combines our first two questions, and it's really around. Um, we've talked about some of the impacts that AI has had on a very practical, scaled level in, in the organisations, and um, and then how you measure that customer trust. Like when you've been using the AI tools and use cases what are the kinds of measures that you put in place to make sure that it is working it's delivering value for you for your customers um and your employees yeah that's yeah it's um it's a good question so uh, in terms of how we measure it um for customers so we look at uh, what what's called csat which is based on the customer satisfaction score you know how are customers rating the journeys um we also look at containment so are these journeys contained so the customer's been able to do whatever it is they want to do from you know from you know a to z you know on the chat bar if we've had to hand off is that right we've handed off is it for is it what what we call a process handoff so actually it can't be done via the chat bar at the minute for whatever reason so we've handed off to another department you know we also do deep dives in terms of you know what journeys are working what what are high volumes what are customers feeding back on these you know having having a look at you know how the customers are using these shares and what we can do to improve and that's that's the key thing from there uh, in terms of staff i say they use it you know themselves as customers or to demonstrate it to customers so what we do then is an education piece just to explain you know what core is what journeys core can do for customers you know what we're bringing in in the future so then staff can talk to customers about what else core can do for them and you know just kind of you know give you know give that trust that you know the, the data is safe 
you know everything you know everything that Corey is saying you know is right it's all you know it's all there for and you know constantly feedback and it is just one of those things where wherever possible you know talk to customers uh so in pre-pandemic uh one of the things i used to love doing was i listened to customers on phone calls you know doing branch visits and just just getting a feel of what you know what customers are asking what customers are doing you know and you know some of that would shift our focus i say oh a lot of customers are asking about X, Y, and Z, but we've been looking at doing A, B, and C. You know, and we shift our focus in terms of well, these are what customers are asking. You know, let's let's see what we can do to improve Cora from there. Excellent. Thanks so much for that, Mark. Um, we've had uh, we've had some great some good questions in. We've uh, I've noticed I noticed that uh, we've had you know someone from Leicester tuning in and someone from Las Vegas. So from Leicester to Las Vegas, we're on we're online today. Um, if we if we move on to the next question, then guys, to our to our panelists, um, just a reminder, guys, get your questions in for our panelists. We've got them live here with us today. So add your questions to the interactive um, panel on the right hand side of the screen. Look for the Q and A panel. Okay. So the next question: How is greater insight into into customer behaviour and preferences driving both new opportunities and improved user experiences? Sarah, if we come to you first this time, please. Well, I think we've kind of continuing a conversation. We've been talking a lot about kind of the impact that chatbots are having. So if we think about why they're being implemented, like obviously um, customers were frustrated and I work for one insurance company where the company was losing about six million pounds through customers choosing to change to another provider because they couldn't contact the staff. So after implementing a chatbot, which enabled them to get in contact with them 24 hours a day, they then saw the savings on that, but also the customer experience improved. Now, if we think about the advanced analytics, not only can they then look at the chat conversations and understand, understand, well, where is it failing? Is a customer annoyed because an internet connection keeps failing because the exchange is poor? You can actually then use all that advanced analytics to really understand why the customer is upset, what you can do to change that and implement real actions. And I think there's lots of examples where AI is really changing this customer experience. Again, with the ability to use um, open banking APIs, you now have this 360 access to your, your different accounts. You can view it all in one place. Um, and again, we're able to actually look at kind of monetization of data, um, but in a positive way for the companies, but also actually for the consumers because they get a tailored customer experience. You know, the thing that we're really trying to push for now is things like next best action. So when you're searching for a house, you don't want to have loads of house adverts pop up against you. What you actually want is then the best recommendations on the painters, the decorators. And really by having that ability to opt in, you know, if you want to have that experience where it's completely personalized and tailored to you, you have that ability to. But there are also, you know, the regulatory side and the trust and compliance side where you also need the ability to opt out. So really it's up to down. You need that customization for each individual customer, depending on what they choose or what they want from it. Excellent. Thanks so much, Sarah. Simon, uh, I, I know you've got some, some more thoughts to add on this. Uh, if we come to you now. Yeah, so I think um, on that customer experience, there's a variety of use cases we're seeing come through in the use of AI. Um, and a, a few of them are landing quite solidly in production. We've touched on, touched on chatbots. Um, and I agree grip risk and compliance is a huge thing. I think the other thing is around insurance. I did some work with an insurance company relatively recently where um, we're helping around claims handling. And, and the problem we're trying to solve is that claims can be handled. I mean, you and I, we break our telephone, fall, our television falls off the wall or something, and we phone up and say, hey, our TV's bust. You know, how that's then handled, there's a variety of different ways that can be handled. 
and the inconsistency of that handling takes time, costs money, and affects customer service. So by playing out AI, by looking back at um, uh, similar similar um, claims in the past and how they've been handled, what they've gone on to cost, um, and the, the routes they've taken through the through the organisation, we're able to help optimise that and ensure that actually that customer experience and that wait time from a claim is is reduced to something that's actually a bit more digestible. If there's identifications of potential fraud, it gets to that team quickly. Um, And then equally, it doesn't get lost in the system as it's moving from pillar to post between different um, assessors um, along that journey. So in that particular case, we had AI, we had machine learning models that were able to learn from the the past and advise uh, um, uh, claims handling agents at that first notification of loss um, how best to handle that particular claim. And that's I feel that's a positive, has a positive impact, not just on the organization, but also for that customer experience here. Okay, thanks so much for that, Simon. That's great. Um, Chris, if we bring you back in at this point, I think you've got a few things to add, have you? Yep, great. Thanks, Mark. So we've got a question for Adri, um, if that's okay. So just going to put a buzzword left for a second. So, you know, just, just bear with me. We've got open cloud event architecture, big data, you know, all the hashtags you see on every post these days, they've opened up a whole host of new innovation opportunities um, for banks and for challengers and new entrants to do great things for customers. Now, there's a point of view that there's just far too many proof of concepts and far too few at scale implementations of, of these technologies. So from your point of view, what makes it so hard for um, incumbent large organizations and banks to get truly groundbreaking um, AI into into prod? Yeah, so that's a really good question. And I'll thank you, whoever asked the question, for asking this. So most organizations don't think about, or most people, including me sometimes, don't consider the analytics for AI. So if you're just doing AI, what's the analytics imperative? Now there is analytics maturity model. You can look into you know, prescriptive, predictive, descriptive analytics. The key point is, does your organization really have leadership in analytics IQ or quotient? Do they have the intuition for analytics? Uh, most of the data that has been captured historically is not an experiment. It's not an experimentation. So you don't have causal experiment happening there. So if you're trying to push the needle, you know, make causal analysis based on historical data, you have to really have the quotient and now ai through to machine learning statistical learning are a way to you know turn data into knowledge however if the business objectives the business imperative and the questions the analytic questions are not clearly defined not articulated a the finding will be wrong the you know the it will not be based on data analytics but it will be based on opinion the loudest person's opinion and uh, so I think, as, a, as Sarah mentioned, that one of the key things is the uh, talent development, where you've got from leadership through to you know the new joiners or you know, people who are not in analytics functions to develop data science intuition, uh, then you know move from best case to evidence-based uh, decision making, and then move from opinion to you know something which is analytically justified. So that one of the key most important problems and i've been partial to that mistake when i thought my opinion is important that's a great answer audrey thank you very much thank you i realize and, and actually industrialize these use cases um a couple of 
you know, there's some mechanics there around being able to access and use the data we've got, that find, understand, connect to the data that we've got in-house. Um, and then there's the other end of the data supply chain of integrating it into that business processes. And again, we've, we've done some work with um, it's public knowledge with Credit Mutuelle in France to help them industrialize AI a little bit. And it does touch on things like culture and skills and organizational design. This, you know, this team sport that we're in this world of AI now involves on so many skills. Um, and again, how we bring in that whole team, the data engineers, the data scientists, the application developers, business analysts, all of that stuff. And how 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 we're organized as, as a business now needs to change and shift. And that's what we're starting to see. We're moving away from that traditional linear kind of engagements that we used to have, um, where everything was kind of thrown over the wall. It would be everyone had a part to play to something that was a bit more collaborative. Um, and that seems to be working, this kind of scaling AI piece. Systems. We you know, weren't um, financially, you know, the best best use of money, and even environmentally friendly. Actually, the now the cloud-based system um, helps, you know, enable you to scale on demand and as per the need, um, and actually in the, enables the processing power to carry out that advanced analytics. You know, we have software like Databricks, which enables you to not only store and deploy the the tables, but carry out taking it from kind of like a bronze, raw, messy data right through to a gold where you've applied data quality. Um, and then actually deploy those models back into um, you know, the environment in a scalable way, not just in a, a one country, but actually globally. So the, the, the expansion of the ability of the different technologies available is enabling it alongside the cheaper processing power. Some great bills. Thanks, um, thanks Simon. Thanks, Sarah. We've got one more question on this space. I'm going to throw it to you, Mark, um, if that's okay. How, how are you seeing the role of cybersecurity and um, data risk compliance changing as more and more work starts to get um, automation either at its core or around the edges? No, yeah, good question. I suppose not my area of expertise is um, cybersecurity or anything on, on that regard. Um, I would promise, I said, it, you know, um, AI has a lot of opportunity in regards to that spotting patterns that, for example, people not be able to spot normally. Um, but we, you know, we anything like that, I'll, you know, I'll go off a conversation I had with one of my colleagues in cybersecurity who, who, you know, who's very much, you know, you do need the human touch, you do need to see, or is, you know, is this right? Is this normal customer behavior? Is this abnormal? Is it something that should be flagged, etc.? You know, if it's done, if it's done right, it can be done well. Um, if if not, it can cause a lot of you know undue stress for a customer. Um, so I know I've had I've had that impact at once. I was you know once once shopping and spent quite a bit. You know, I've got a new computer, got some you know bought things for a holiday, and then ordering something online. You're ordering a takeaway that night, and then that got flagged up as fraud. Um, I always I always think back with a bit of humour for that one because. They might have spent however much I spent that day, but at least they couldn't order that twenty-pound Chinese at the end of the day. So it is getting the system right um, if you are doing it. Um, but no, no, good question. I just wish I could go into it a little bit more. But yeah, mine's more. My knowledge is more on chatbots rather than cybersecurity side of AI. Great. Thanks very much for that, panelists. Um, that was great. And thanks very much, to Chris, for those questions that you posed in there. Um, right, we're into the final part of the discussion today. Is widespread AI usage and automation the future of financial services, or do we still need the human touch? Mark, we finished on you last time. We'll come straight back to you. 
Uh, your thoughts on that, please? Yeah, I'll kind of on what I just said. I, I'm absolutely yeah, adamant, obviously, it still needs to be human touch. Yeah, absolutely, this journey's out there where AI usage, automation is definitely the best thing for the customer. You know, but Dida's kind of switch it on, let it build, build a journey itself without taking into account all the different things they need to take into account. You know, I, you know, I'm quite lucky that I work in a team that is very diverse. You know, so we can get all that input from, you know, from different people. Does this journey work? Have you considered this? Have you considered that? But potentially, if, if you just let, left the AI to it, it might not be able to do it. You know, same again with any kind of machine learning. You don't want to bring any kind of unconscious bias you're into the machine learning model because then that will just wipe out any customer trust you've got. Um, so while absolutely I see AI growing, you know, further and farther than what we what we could possibly imagine now, um, and seeing more journeys being automated, uh, I still think there, there does need to be human touch. Whether that's from the developer side to make sure they're happy with the journey before we go live, or certain journeys. You might not want to automate uh, whatever those would be. So whether that be, for example, bereavement of a family, mem family member, you wouldn't want to automate that journey. You still want the human touch in that regard. So it's just having that, having that initial thought before you do anything of, is this right for the customer? Is it better to be, if this is an automated journey, is it a chatbot or no, I think we need a human touch for this. So it's just having that, that thought process of whether, you know, should we do it rather than could we do it? So uh, a very firm yes, I think, from you there, Mark. Uh, Simon, if we come over to you, your thoughts, please. Um, so yes and yes. Yes, this is the future of financial services. And yes, we will need a human touch. Um, I can uh, completely agree with that. I think um, We've got a lot of challenges ahead of us in this world. Um, the technology is evolving and changing all the time, quite quite dramatically. How we absorb and adopt that is going to be down to the human design and the human intuition. Um, and I think that needs a lot of careful planning. Um, and uh, and we'll, we've touched on ethics; it's a huge topic. But we've got to make sure we're using this for the right in the right way. We would always look to position AI as augmenting the human. Um, and so and a variety of examples and Mark gave us a few there where that's just essential, but actually equally as a business, you know, who, who controls the relationship with our clients? Is it technology or is it a person? And I think as a consumer, I want to deal with people. Um, and I accept there's, there's AI behind the scenes that's making that a more, a, a better experience, a more seamless experience, but ultimately people deal with people. And I think that will um, hold true for hopefully, hopefully hold true forever and good. Perfect. Thanks very much, Simon. Um, Adri, we come across to you. Your thoughts? Uh, yes to you. Yes from you as well, or um, contradict what your colleagues have said. Yeah, I think uh, obviously financial services are data rich. Historically, it's going to be more data rich. If you just imagine the uh, market digitization of the capital market, when there wasn't digitization, you were paper trading. There wasn't any data exhaust out of it, but now that's happened. Similarly, if you look into the space, which is, you know, external data, alternative data, that space has increased because people, uh, there's fire hose of information that is coming out and people are building financial services product out of it. So it's going to be important. I think the point is a human oversight of the AI, ML, you know, statistical learning 
systems you've built in, automation is required. And then with the changing uh, you know, products in the financial marketplace, there would be uh, new, uh, new technologies uh, which will be requiring a you know, human to build new systems. So it's inevitable. There is going to be in some cases where the cost basis is cheaper to use machines. You will use machines or which can't be done by human beings possibly because you can't really look into all your customer base and make a credit decision. You will use machines, but then how are you using those uh, AI ML algorithms for you know giving credit to people will be monitored by humans for and for that you need to have you know a trust ethic based approach to automation and ai yeah so short long answer to the question that it's going to be increasingly important for financial services great thank you very much adri and sarah if we come to you last but not least your thoughts please yeah, so just, I guess, summarizing, I guess, in a way, you know, I don't think we'll ever replace humans to to cover, you know, everything from the development to the risk and the governance. And so obviously, as end users, you know, we're using AI to improve our lives. So I think we'll always have a place because we're the consumer in that sense. Um, but equally, we'll always have a role in governing it um, and checking for that, you know, what, making sure it's actually benefiting us and we're using AI for good, really. And I think that's what we need to focus on, actually, how can we use it to maximize our, our, our output and um, our lives? Thank you, Sarah. I think, Chris, you've got some points to bring in at this point as well on, on this score. Yes, thanks, Mark. So I'm going to come straight back to you, if that's OK, Sarah. And I'm going to give you the chance to, A, contradict the said, um, and potentially play devil's advocate. So do you think there will be a place for propositions with no human contact, um, where it's potentially an add-on or a bolt-on where you have to pay more. Think, you know, if Ryanair did bank accounts, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think that'll ever come? Or do you think everyone will effectively this higher base of always having human contact as an option? I think, um, you know, if we take a really simple example, like uh, reinforcement learning algorithms on a robotic vacuum cleaner, do I care which way round the floor of my room, the robotic flat vacuum cleaner goes? No, I don't. So I would happily leave that robot running around. But let's give the disaster example where, you know, my son or daughter or my dog has dropped something on the floor and the robot goes over it. The robot isn't smart enough to sometimes avoid that and only then goes to create to destroy the carpet. You will then go and intervene. So even in the best case examples where we really do trust what it's doing or the algorithm behind it, or we feel there's no bias, there are extreme cases where we actually do need to intervene as a human. So from my personal perspective, and I've used a very simplistic example then, if you then think about the financial services, retail, hospitality, across the board, if you then take it a level up when it's deciding whether someone's given a loan or something far, far more complex where it could negatively impact a human's life, you know, whether it's using, you know, AI for medical devices or, or you know, remote surgery. So to summarize shortly, I believe there'll always be a place for governance um, with human impact. I'm hearing no. Uh, you, you don't think that's going to be the top idea. I'll, I'll, uh, I won't be pitching it to you. Uh, <laughs> that's a great answer. Thanks, Sarah. Um, so I've got, I'm just going to put a question out there. We'll probably come to a couple of you or anyone that wants to dip in, basically. So and I'm looking for your top tip. So it could be a company. It could be an industry type. But 
who are going to be the people that come in left field and do awesome things in financial services powered by AI and big data, do you think, over the next five years? Who are the people we're going to be talking about that came in and did something amazing? Um, so you know, who, who are your tips that come in and disrupt? So I've hoped enough there to give you all a chance to have a, have a think and a decent answer. So um, you're looking most comfortable, Simon. So I'll come to you first. Um, who's, your, who's your top tip? That was not my comfortable look. <laughs> I, can, do you know, I can give a couple, I can give, I can build on a couple of examples if you want time, Simon, unless you've got any to mind. So we've seen I'll great companies like Darktrace, um, you know, implement like cybersecurity um, solutions. And, you know, we're going to see a rise in companies like Banks, which is API providers for financial services, you know, because everyone had to move to online, you know, companies like Stripe, you know, profits have soared. Um, and whilst everyone might be thinking, oh, I need to buy the next Zoom or Microsoft Teams for video conferencing, actually, we're seeing that that market, well, we've already got really strong players. It will actually be those ones that are providing something new and something, something niche that I really think will grow. But the core areas, are obviously, cyber, there'll be a growing trend and demand. And again, you know, third party financial APIs and services to improve customer experience across online trading and services. So that hopefully, Simon, I've given you enough time to think of your two or three. Yeah, yeah I said it better myself, or I completely agree. I think, um, no, so you, the essence of your point is really true, isn't it? Because if, if I knew who was going to be the next disruptor, then I'd be investing my money there, and hey, it would be great. Uh, it's the ecosystems I think we're going to start seeing emerging now. So how we all start to collaborate with these different technologies, because we're going to get some really niche-specific um, incredible technologies. We've got the likes of you know, quantum coming on, quantum technologies from a variety of different providers. So how's that going to come in? The ability to identify patterns and then stitching some AI or some machine learning in that particular world. You know, there's there's, there's combinations here that um, fathom, fathom belief at the moment. And so kind of trying to pare it back a bit, I think we're going to see more collaboration across disparate parties to tr create some really compelling outcomes for us as consumers and for us as, you know, our businesses, frankly. I've actually just thought of three more companies. Adrian, Mark, have you got some? Otherwise, I'll <laughs> list. I was going to say, we'll, we'll give Mark and um, Adrian the chance to, and I'll get my my trading um, app open whilst, whilst they're doing it. Um, so, Mark, do you want to go next? Who's, what's your sort of areas of interest? Where, where might the, you know, where, where are you looking for, for insights and innovation coming in the few, next few years? Um, I'll say it's, it's a good question. It's, I'll say that it probably echoes a bit what Simon uh, mentioned. Um, so I'll say quantum is probably going to be the next big thing. Um, I, I mean, I don't think we're even going to know how, how that's going to impact, but I think over the next five years, you know, use cases for that, even if it's just proof of concept, you know, of what can be done. Um, I think you know, I'm not aware of any companies out there at the minute, but I think over the next, you know, probably five, ten years, you know, quantum computing will be something where we think, oh, you know, uh, for very much people who are not looking to, oh, where is, that, well, where is this coming from? Uh, obviously, IBM, Google, Microsoft, they're all doing wonderful work, uh, you know, to try and, you know, try and get into that. So I think something from there, whether there'll be a startup who takes that research, it's all, you know, it's all out there, it's all open. You know, if anyone to, to read and be confused by, if anyone's like me with that, um, and just come out there, for, you know, come from nowhere as it might seem. Uh, so that's where I'm, no companies I can think of, but that's where I think over the next five, 10 years, we'll see your know, major strides in and 
be a huge change to the computing landscape. Cool. Thanks, Mark. Um, finally to you, Adrian, any sort of builds, things you want to sort of throw in, curveballs? <laughs> I was thinking, actually, there are many companies which I uh, we know of, which can be great big Stripe, interesting, very interesting value prop. I think we're done uh, after this. So, uh, yes. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? You can. Okay. So the answer to that question is what we think will be the next big thing will not be mostly the next big thing in my opinion. So it will be definitely the case, mostly the case, uh, but whichever company becomes successful will have customer at the center. So there'll be customer centricity. Uh, that, that, that's going to be at least static. So I think uh, if you want me to put, pick like one or two companies, I will say Stripe is big, Carta is big, uh, which is in the equity market uh, on, the, on the existing FinTech proposition. On AI, ML, it is not going to be one winner, in my opinion. Uh, maybe on the hardware space, yes, NVIDIA. Uh, but it's a, it's a very interesting question. I love to answer this, uh, but I don't want to come in too widely. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Thank you for that question, Chris. Obviously, everyone you know, really enjoyed answering to that. So it was great. Thank you so much. Okay, on that note, guys, uh, it's time for us to draw the panel discussion to a close. I'd like to thank our speakers today, to Adri, to Simon, to Sarah, to Mark, and to our audience champion, Chris. Thank you very much for your time. Cheers, guys. Thank you for that. Um, thanks very much to you as well at home or at work, wherever you are in the world viewing. Uh, we really appreciate the, your, your input, and we really appreciate you taking the time to, to view on the money today. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for tuning in to our Money Next TV podcast series. Click the link in the description below to listen to more podcast episodes or tune into our live events. Thanks so much.